this is Coach's Chat, and I'm Betsy Foster. You're in for some thoughtful conversations with fitness industry professionals, musings on current topics in the wellness field, and actionable advice for building a thriving career as a fitness professional. At Foster Strength, my mission is to lead and educate colleagues in the fitness industry to deliver client-centered coaching that gets clients real results built on sound scientific principles, encourages them to build a long and fulfilling relationship with exercise, and disrupts toxic fitness culture to foster an inclusive industry. Let's get going. new episode of Coach's Chat. Not sure if you can hear, but it is very rainy here in North Central Florida. So I have a very nice like um, musical rainstorm background. Today it's just me and we're going to be talking a little bit about the squat. So one of the things that came to mind recently um, was that I think there are sort of, there are a bunch of topics that trainers and coaches like to talk about. A lot have to do with building business, business success and how we serve our clients and how we um, get better as a professional. And then some of the topics that we like talking about are the nitty-gritty science and fun of actually training someone. So programming, assessing, um, facilitating, coaching movement, all those kinds of things. And I hadn't really done a ton of episodes specifically on that. Plus, I think when it comes to new trainers and new coaches... You get a ton of information from your certification text on the basics of movement patterns, on the basics of program design, on the basics of exercise selection. And then a lot of the fun stuff, a lot of the individual preferences and style of becoming your own trainer, making sure that you're um, thoughtful about your choices and developing sort of what it is your method or your approach is, comes later. And so I wanted to take this opportunity to talk through some things about different movement patterns that I think are often missed by newer trainers, i.e., We're going to take what you learn from your certification text and then also share some bells and whistles or even some options that haven't crossed your mind because a certification text can't possibly cover it all. So I've decided with a bunch of different movement patterns to come up with three things, three sort of bullet points of things to consider when programming that exercises and ways you can get creative with it or more functional with it or more supportive of your client's goals or something like that, if that makes sense. So today we'll start with 
the squat and I'm really excited about that. So I think in general, if you ask trainers and coaches or even like the general exercise population, the squat is maybe the most common and most known exercise. Um, Maybe the most primal of all, if we really think about it. And it is often a staple in many programs. We know that because it's a large compound movement using a lot of muscles. It can be really useful for a general fitness client, for someone who is needing to move more, to um, ideally burn more energy. We also know from a functional standpoint that we squat a lot in our day-to-day life. Um, particularly just getting to and from the toilet is something where we're squatting. So it can be a really useful part of a program. We know it's a staple in a lot of different sports and it appears in um, powerlifting, any kind of like um, weightlifting sort of sport area, the squat is just a foundational movement. So I thought we'd start with the squat today. Now, typically in a lot of certification texts, you're taught the squat in terms of sort of body weight squats, back squats, front squats. Those are, you know, overhead squats. Sometimes an overhead squat is taught or the overhead squat is taught as a tool for assessment. So that's what we typically think of when we're programming for a client. Now, there are tons of ways that a squat and the squat pattern in general can appear in an exercise program that can be really beneficial to our clients, and we sometimes don't necessarily think about it. So that is where these three little suggestions come into play. So the first that I'm gonna suggest for people to think about are unilateral approaches to a squat. Now, I don't necessarily mean a lunge, though if we looked at some versions of a lunge, we could definitely see um, the sort of basic remnants of a squat in there. But instead, when I'm talking about unilateral strategies around a squat, I'm typically thinking about split squats, um, single leg kind of squats to a box. I put a step up either in a lunge category or a squat category, but I think that, you know, um, could be considered a squat. And why I encourage people to really think about split squats, one is I'm a huge Mike Boyle fan. If you didn't know that about me, then you have not sat with me long enough at a exercise or fitness convention because I'm usually like searching for him. I'm usually reading his book. Um, He's kind of a favorite of mine. But what we do know, and, and he's a huge proponent of split squats, because for the general for general population as well as athletes and we'll look at them separately for general population 
How frequently are your clients setting themselves up in the position of best mechanical advantage? So i.e. they're they're walking into a room, they're setting up their squat stance, they're looking at where their feet are um, relative to their shoulders and their hips, they're checking in that their weight is distributed evenly before they sit down on the toilet or before they go up a set of stairs or before they chase after their kid. Not frequently. Instead, our real life is going to oftentimes require greater core stability, greater balance, and being able to navigate strength and support and power in more unilaterally based positions. So ideally, ideally we'd always get in great squat form before we sat on the toilet, but sometimes we lean to one side or the other. So the advantage that we have with split squats is we're training that same style of movement, that same pattern, that more what we call a more knee dominant lower body exercise, yet we're doing it where we're relying primarily on one side versus the other so that we are requiring our body to stabilize more. We're requiring um, greater balance, greater efforts from certain muscles um, in order to maintain that balance, to maintain that stability. And we also know that something that we consider to be the bilateral deficit exists, meaning that for many, for most, strength is greater in a unilateral position than a bilateral position, i.e. you could squat 100 pounds in your split squat, but you couldn't necessarily squat 200 pounds in your bilateral back squat. Again, you know, it's all going to be impacted by training and things like that. But the, the point there is that for a lot of people, we can gain a lot from training the unilateral. And it can be a great way for us to minimize risk of injury because we're not necessarily getting into some of these more challenging positions like a barbell front squat or a barbell back squat, we can still load them up a ton and they get this bonus advantage of a unilateral training mechanism. So that's my first suggestion is thinking about the position, not only the squat position, not only as a bilateral position, but as a unilateral position. Second tip or second thing to think outside of the box on when it comes to squats are unilateral loading strategies. So similar to our unilateral position, our unilateral loading strategy means that we're not always loading the squat evenly in the middle of the body or um, near the center of mass or anything like that. Similar to my previous argument, um, both in sports and in real life, we are oftentimes not holding weight or load evenly in the middle of our body. 
you're not carrying your groceries like that necessarily, even if you have a grocery bag in each hand, are they of exactly equivalent weight? Probably not. Um, for people who are carrying babies on a hip, that is a ton of time spent with a load on one side. Um, if we're thinking about people in sort of labor-intensive, manual labor-intensive work, um, they're not necessarily always holding weight evenly. And we know as trainers that if we are loading someone asymmetrically, uh, what we are getting is greater demand from the rest of their body to help stabilize and to help keep them in a position that's advantageous, particularly when we think about the spine. If we are trying to re resist spinal lateral flexion or even just spinal flexion or extension, then what we have to do is use other musculature to have that happen. And that's going to be something that's taking place when we are holding weight in a unilateral manner. So some examples of that might be that you could do a front rack like a kettlebell, single kettlebell on one side, you would still potentially have that individual in a bilateral squat position. But instead, uh, as they bilaterally squat, the weight is just on one side. Um, same thing goes for, and now I'm not um, advocating, say, loading a barbell with heavier weight on one side versus the other. I want to be clear about that. I'm talking about smaller implements when we talk about dumbbell front squats or overhead squats, or if we're talking about the kettlebell can be really useful. Um, like I just suggested in that it can be in a carry position by your side or in that front rack position in an extended overhead position. Those are ways where we can challenge that antilateral flexion and we can keep someone um, working on stability and balance in a bilateral position with a unilateral weight. So that's something to consider when training someone that you might not be thinking about. Again, it can be a really useful way to take advantage of a deload. Let's say you had a really heavy six-week cycle with back squats. You're going to still work squat pattern in your more endurance sort of recovery phase of the next six to 12 weeks. But what you want to challenge is a little bit of um, core strength, core stability. Then you might consider switching to these unilateral variations, just something, just something to consider. So we talked about unilateral strategies in the squat um, from a positional standpoint. Our second out-of-the-box squat thinking came with unilateral loading strategies, i.e. where we're holding the weight. And my third out-of-the-box squatting strategy is using something 
for a new client to aim their bottom to and then progressively and systematically lowering that item. So I'm not suggesting that you are working box squats. Box squats are a little different than just merely having something to aim to. But in um, in the version that I'm speaking about, I'm really just giving the client a tactile way for them to assess their depth in a squat. So they're maintaining that same um, torso angle, shin angle as they would without the box. They're getting no like sitting back up on the box as you would maybe in a box squat version. Um, And they're not stopping down there. Instead, they're just lightly tapping and coming back up. I see some new trainers using this as an, a good option, especially when a client doesn't have great, a new client, someone who's maybe never squatted before. If they don't have great awareness around what the position feels like, this can be really helpful. It kind of keeps them back a little bit in their, like shifting their weight back rather than allowing their heels to elevate immediately and kind of shift forward. So it allows for that. But one thing that I think people don't necessarily do is think about how they can use that tool to continue to challenge that depth and provide a tactile experience to increase that depth. So you see oftentimes people using, say, the bench in a gym setting to tap down for a squat and come back up. That's a great tool. But after, at a certain point, if I want them to achieve greater depth, if let's say that isn't past parallel or they have the goal of getting a deeper, more mobile squat, then I would want to just make sure that I'm progressively lowering that target for them. So that might just mean setting up something smaller, shorter than the bench, a low step with some Arex pads on it maybe, Um, for them to tap down to and then come back up. Again, just a light tap, a tactile response, and then they come back up. If I'm able to do that sort of progressively over time, then I'm able to show them, give them a really um, apparent and obvious measurement of their increased range of motion. And while I won't do that forever, and I likely want to, if I'm going to load them heavy, have them feel really confident with that position where they don't actually need that tactile cue anymore. They have good proprioceptive and kinesthetic awareness of that position for themselves already. But it it might be something um, that I would use as a tool to get to that point especially for someone new to movement, someone new to the squat in particular. So those are sort of three areas that I don't necessarily feel like uh, are covered in a training certification text about teaching or programming for the squat, but they come in really handy in a applied setting with general fitness population and even in some um, sports performance 
areas. So those are the three out-of-the-box thoughts about programming the squat, using unilateral positional strategies, using unilateral loading strategies, and then progressively lowering some sort of tactile support that the individual can aim their bottom to. All right, those are my thoughts on the squat today. If you've got some thoughts about programming the squat that seem a little out of the box or have worked for clients for you, I'd love to hear about it. Um, Be sure to send me a DM on Instagram at foster underscore strength or email me betsy at bfosterstrong.com. Make sure that you get on my email list so you get all of my newest resources for trainers and coaches and know that here's my little teaser. I've got something brand new coming in July, totally free programming resource. So keep your eyes open. Thanks as always for listening. And until next time, 